for joining us. This is Chris Rubo, Executive Editor with ASI's media team. I'll be hosting today's discussion. The topic for our chat is one that's on the mind of every promotional products distributor. How can you make the first quarter of 2021 a success for your distributorship? Admittedly, it can seem like a very tough task. The Q4 holiday sales surge is over, and of course, the business challenge remain. Nonetheless, there were distributors who turned 2020 into a successful year for their businesses, despite the historic hurdles that had to be overcome. And those distributors have strategies for doing the same thing in Q1. Today, we'll be talking to two of them. Julie Woodall is owner of Wisconsin-based Promotion Perfection powered by Halo. Not only did she engineer success in 2020, she shared her business building strategies with colleagues around the country, an act that earned her the nickname, The Rainmaker. Also joining us is Christopher Farris. Chris is founder and CEO of Massachusetts-based Boost Promotions. As many businesses suffered last year, Chris found ways to not only adapt, but thrive. This included orchestrating a seven-figure PPE order for a national convenience store company. So Julie, Chris, thank you both for being with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks that for having was, us. Absolutely. So let's um, get into why people are here. Uh, Talk first a little bit, if you can, about uh, your 2020. Just briefly tell us, and uh, Chris, we could start with you, just um, you know how 2020 went and why it was successful for you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, yeah, 2020 obviously was a challenging year, right? So we had pretty much three months of normality, I guess. And then what we did quickly was just adapt to the situation um, and started selling uh, a new category or an expanded category, PPE. Obviously, we have sanitizer and things of that nature already in our industry, but when everything shut down and your new and your regular orders weren't coming in, we really had to to change and adapt to what was there. So what we did was uh, make sure that our supply chain was intact prior to, as we've already heard a lot about it with uh, some China affiliates and everything else. So we already knew what was coming. And uh, I mean, they were in February asking me, do I need masks? I was like, no, right? Because like, it wasn't a thing yet. So we just met, you know, and over the course of the past couple of years anyway, with all the tariffs, we've really secured our supply chain and put a lot of infrastructure and, um, and things into the supply chain. So when this happened, uh, we were, it was very, very, I'm not going to say easy, it was easier um okay. to, to acquire ppe from various countries um so that's kind of what we did and then throughout the um the, the shutdown and the, the the covid three months i guess it was we also i uh implemented some new services in order to kind of help our clients because we just saw a lot of things obviously there's a new norm no offices um and nobody had access to any of their current merch so we just made sure that we put in new additional services that would support um, the new world that we lived in at that particular time and also going forward. And, you know, a lot of probably 80 percent of America is still in the same situation at being at home. So that's kind of what we did uh, to, to get through the 2020 and, uh, and then still the 2021. And just real, real quickly, um, how did sales end up for the year? Were you, were you up year over year for, for the year? And if so, how, how much? Yeah, yeah, we were up. Um, you know, and I'm not going to break it down to category because we know what the category was that really made that difference. Um, but we were probably up. It was about, it was close to 18%. 
correct? Eighteen percent, fantastic achievement for sure, given yeah. what went on last year. And 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 Julie, you pulled off some, some uh, fantastic achievements last year as well. Can you tell us a bit about them? Um, sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, one yes. of the things that I focused on initially when the shutdowns happened were, um, I had local people that needed masks, and I had access to masks that were already on the ground. Supply chain, as you mentioned, Chris, was just huge. If you didn't have it on the ground, it wasn't going to get to your client, and your credibility was going to be ruined because you were going to make a promise you could not keep. I was lucky enough to have masks on the ground, and so I was able to get them to my local people, and I chose to cold call businesses that I knew were really hurting. Um, I did local senior centers and um, uh, nursing homes because I knew that they were going to need a ready supply of masks for visitors who were coming in, plumbers, electricians, um, the people who had to enter their building but wouldn't have had masks. And so as I called these different places, they were um, super receptive because I was local and that was my way to get in the door with them um, because I would say, hey, look, I'm right down the road from you. You know, I'm, I'm a quarter of a mile away from you. I can get you this merchandise. And I was trustworthy because they felt like if they really needed to, they could walk over and knock on my door and call me to account. It wasn't like I was just some strange person calling from across the country going, hey, you want to buy a watch? So there was a level of credibility there that um, just being a local person had. And so I reached out to those people and I reached out to local police departments because I knew they would also need PPE of that level. And that is what opened up the doors for selling PPE in the initial months. And then I carried it on to, well, now my clients need to um, work out of the homes. So large corporations are going to have to have things like um, they're going to have to supply some of the things that are in the offices to their home employees. I concentrated on that, and I made sure that my customers had chapstick breathments and um, things along those lines. Because if you're wearing masks all of a sudden, you're wondering why the mask smells bad once you breath on. So they were getting mints out to their customers, mints out to their employees, and um, chapstick for people who had raw faces, hand lotion because you're hand sanitizing so much. So there was a lot of that going on. And my last year, um, I ended my year ahead of the year before, and that had been the best year that I'd ever had prior to um, any other year in my career. So I finished ahead, and I was only one half of one percentage point in margin behind what I had done the previous year. And, and margin is another thing. You, you can have volume, but if you don't have good margin, you're doing an awful lot of work for less money. I was going to bring up the margin point because we had chatted previously, Julie, and I, I recall you mentioning that that you made, that you maintained your margins almost to the letter, which is which is pretty incredible too, given everything that was going on. So, um, so hopefully, our audience, you know, these are two people who who figured it out at a time when a lot of others won't. So, what you could, what they're going to now talk about for Q1 is is definitely some advice to take to heart because they have navigated this whole situation successfully. So let's get into some of that now, kind of the, the nitty gritty of why people are listening. And of course, um, for all our listeners, please um, type in any questions you might have or comments into the chat. We'll be happy to try to answer them as we go along. So um, Julie, let's let's stick with you. Um, what are some of the sales strategies that you're going to put into play in, in Q1 to make it a success? Well, um, building on my immediate success with the people that I'd reached out for in April, May, and June, for PPE. Um, this beginning of the year, I've been reaching out to them and saying, okay, you know, the, the boat has stabilized. You're not sinking anymore. 
what can I do to get you sailing forward? What other things can I supply to you? What other things do you buy? How do you need to reach your clients now? Because you're not having people that are coming in your door and saying, I'd like a tour. Um, can I get you bumpy mail? What, what can I do to further your business? Because the way that you are going to grow is going to be different in 2021 than it was in any other year that you've tried to grow. All right. And what are you what are you hearing in terms of their receptivity to that? Are, 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 are clients looking to market? And if so, what kind of solutions are they interested in? You mentioned lumpy mails. There's uh, things like that or, or other things that you're doing that are starting to strike a chord. Lumpy mail has by far and away been um, my most successful outreach with the people that I that I am making my new clients mm -hmm. um, because they typically they need to be able to tell a story along with their product, their, which their product is their facility. So with Lumpy Mail, um, there's a lot of suppliers out there that, that will do a beautiful fold out romance card with a product in it. And so you can send out a mask and have a lovely romance card that goes along with it that tells the story that you would be telling if the person was in your office and they were reaching out to you on a one-on-one -on -one level. But since you don't have that opportunity, you're sending it to them, they're opening it up, and they're reading about your story along with the gift that makes you memorable. I gotcha, I gotcha. All right. Um, so we have a, we had a question come in, and then we're going to kick it over to Chris. But Julie, maybe you could address this question. What is lumpy mail? Oh, lumpy mail is anything that comes, that if you're going to have a, a, a letter in the mail that comes in flat, it's not interesting. It could be junk mail. But if it comes in and it's got something in it and it's fat and you can feel there's something in it, you're not going to put it into the junk pile. You are going to open it because you're curious as to what that could be in it. In this case, it was just an EO slip on. Gotcha. Fair enough. All right. So, Chris, let's kick it to you. What are some uh, you know, top one or two strategies that, that you're doing right now to kind of power Q1 to some success? Yeah, um, kind of what Julie did, but we did it in Q4. I call them COVID contacts, exactly what she mentioned, you know, to really uh, dive in a little bit more to see what they were doing. And then that's transitioning over to Q1. Uh, but we're really focusing on our current client base and really expanding on our existing client base. This way, they already know who we are, whether it's new contacts within those organizations or also, I mean, we've added, I think, four to five more um services here so now it's it's really penetrating them and asking them what they need because we find the support services that we're offering that you know are an extension of your promotional products and branded merch aspect but more of a demand generation direct mail um you know e-com e-commerce platforms and all of these other things and now we do complete fulfillment storage we're in triple space now we're in a brand new facility here we moved in in december uh because no one's in their office space Right, so now they don't have a quote-unquote swag closet anymore to go grab stuff. So now we become that uh, another step for them. So we're really just expanding our current client base and working with them, and that's already showing some uh, fruition now into that. And then what we're also doing is very, very strategically researching new clients based on our current client base, and we've identified probably about 10 to 20 new clients. And we're going through and really now starting to talk with them because there is a connection there. It's, it's, 
it's not a cold call. There's there's some sort of connection or we have a really good reputation within that industry and working on those. So we're really working smarter. We have expanding our staff. We've expanded everything here that we have. So we're just working very, very efficiently and with our marketing and design director on how we can now really get to them in, in an industry specific micro standpoint rather than a macro email blast. So those are kind of two things that we're working Going. All right, a couple a couple things I want to explore there. I want to say that we had a, another question about lumpy mail coming in the chat. We will address that question for uh, for the person who sent it in, but I want to stick on something that that Chris had started talking about because I think this is something that whether you're you know the biggest distributorship in promotional products or just a solo operating distributor, this is something you could do is to penetrate deeper into your current ac accounts. And if you did make relationships through PPE sales last year to kind of to start to migrate those clients over to, um, to you know, the pr promo solutions you can provide. So can you maybe just talk about some of the concrete and Julie jump in too if you um, if you're doing this as well, just how you how you guys are, are, are kind of penetrating deeper into to current accounts and kind of making more from those existing clients. Sure. Well, first and foremost, the easy part is your current your current clients and your current contacts within those uh, companies, right? So, with them having conversations about our new services and expanded services, and this could be, let's just say, creative services, because now there's no um, water cooler talk anymore. Hey, who did you use to create that event logo, the event merch, uh, any sort of design and stuff? Like that. So now we all have, we have that in house now. So just having these conversations with our current uh, contacts within the organizations are really helping. And then literally we, we do a lot of research and LinkedIn is a huge help with, with that on other uh, you know people within that organization that helps, especially now HR is bigger than ever because talent retention and appreciation is really key. You know, chief people officers, they're not, you know, it is really key because everybody is remote. So still making them part of the team and feel part of the team is very uh, big, um, you know, current organizations, what they're trying to do and their spend now. So really identifying new contacts within the company that your current client base, not only that, just simply asking for referrals. People, a lot of time, they just won't do it. Um, afraid of anything else, but if you're confident in what you've done for them, it should be a very simple conversation. Hey, do you mind, uh, you know, sending me an introduction to, you know, John Smith? You know, they're going to do it if you just ask nicely. So that's, I think, the key for what we're doing and how we're doing it is a just first and foremost to eat conversation with your current contacts within those organizations, and then b finding and identifying new contacts within the different departments within that organization. Um, and ask referrals and then just reaching out to them because it's warmer because you're already working with that company. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, uh, Julie, anything that you're doing in that regard, either to expand with, with, with your current clients or, or looking for, for new clients? Um, absolutely. Something that Chris said really resonated. Um, your, the resources that you already have are springboards for additional resources. Um, in a conversation that I had with you earlier, Chris, I talked about Marie Kondo and how she has inspired me to declutter. Well, one of the things she inspired me to declutter was my file cabinets. I had old catalogs in there that were useless, and I had old purchase order, hard copy purchase orders in there. Um, many years ago, when I worked for a different supplier and I didn't own my own company, um, I had house accounts. 
And when I left that supplier, those house accounts stayed with the house and I had to develop new business. But I actually had a lot of hard copies from those old um, house accounts. And that supplier is no longer in business, hasn't been in business for many years. I pulled out that paperwork and I started calling those people. Because when I look at this old PO, it's got a direct line, it's got a name, it's got the product that was purchased. So when I call this number, I'm getting an internal number. I'm not having to go past a gatekeeper at a main switchboard. And I'm calling and I'm asking for a specific person who very well could still be at that company, if not even still in that same department. So I sound like a known entity to them right off the bat. There's a comfort level there. I'm calling an internal number. I'm asking for a person specifically. And then if that person's no longer there, um, if you're in a different department, I say, well, maybe you can help me. I used to do work for your company many years ago, and um, I had to walk away to, from the account, but I would like to reopen that door. What can we do? How can I service your account? There's an advantage in using me because you don't have to train me. I already know how to work your account. For example, um, I know that you guys like branded merchandise, that you do not want any of your apparel to be anything but branded merchandise. And I know that when you place a big apparel order because you have a large turnover, I should call you right before that order is finalized when it's proofed and about to go to be run to find out if there's any additional things that you need to add to that order that we can get that on that order and get the merchandise to you that much more quickly. That credibility in knowing how they operate and knowing what types of things they like establishes an instant credibility with me. And I've had very good luck with going through those old files. And I haven't actually found any of the old people yet. I'm kind of sad about that. I was more optimistic that that would actually happen. But right. the new people that I'm talking to find me trustworthy. And like I said to them, they don't have to train me. I already know how to handle that account. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. Very good. I think it's some great advice. And we had a number of questions come in, a couple for Chris and a couple for you, Julie. Uh, Julie, let's start with this one that came in on lumpy mail. Another one. Um, what method of shipping do you use to send your lumpy mail? Um, the factories that do lumpy mail offer dropship abilities and uh, TechWeld is a really good one to go to. Um, if you provide them a spreadsheet with the addresses, they will take care of the mailing for you. If you're, it's just like if you're mailing calendars out, those factories all have those capabilities in place. And the ones that didn't already have them in place, you know, through the course of last year, by now have them in place. Yeah. So any kind of um, product that you want to order from any of our suppliers, they have all stepped up their game on doing drop ships. And some of them have free drop ships. And it doesn't even hurt to ask, even if they don't, if they can offer that to you on any given project. But if you contact somebody like a tech weld and you want to do a lumpy mail, they will do everything from start to finish. And all you have to provide them is a spreadsheet with correct addresses on it. And that's one caveat that I would like to make sure everybody knows if you're doing mailings in 2021, make sure that you have a correct address on those because UPS or any of the other suppliers are gonna come back to you with correction fees if those addresses on the spreadsheet are not correct. So get a spreadsheet to the factory, they'll take care of it for you. It's usually a fee per, per item and then the actual postage or shipping of whatever it is that you're shipping. Yeah, great, great point, Julie, um, real fast. 
suppliers, just as distributors had to, suppliers en masse pivoted last year. And one of the big things that they did, um, especially some of the larger houses, was, was get into um, drop shipment solutions. So if you haven't partnered with suppliers yet on that, talk to some of your preferred vendors because there's a real good chance that, um, that they might be offering something. So Chris, this question came in uh, for you. Uh, somebody was wondering if you did warehousing prior to um, I guess this this your your new venture into warehousing was that something you did previously? Uh, very little. Uh, okay. We had a very small footprint, um, so very little bit. So we've expanded out of that because of uh, you know we run e-commerce stores and before we didn't have to now we have to uh, house everything, uh, which is a huge support for our clients, um, especially you know that. That's small to mid-sized businesses, without a doubt. Um, you know, and then the larger clients, we have uh, some partners that we work with as well on the fulfillment standpoint. Okay. All right. Um, this could be a whole podcast in itself if we got into the, the the fine details of warehousing. But is it like just you want to give a couple top of mind best practices for people who might be interested in doing the same? Yeah, you got to be careful. I would say number one, uh, make sure you have the client the clientele in order to do it because once you start um investing in overhead obviously that's going to change your um pricing structure and everything of that nature so we've always partnered with um three different fulfillment centers across the country east coast west coast west um but then you know with this we've we had the support to to be able to really uh make that uh, expenditure and commitment to uh the fulfillment and warehousing portion which we're doing now uh at our new space at our new location all right, gotcha. And this is um, another question that came in. I think right on, right on the topic, Chris. What were some of the uh, new services that you you added other than warehousing and cre creative what were, with these kind of complementary solutions? Sure. So you mentioned warehousing and creative. Uh, also, we've extended our e-commerce uh, platform. So not only just setting up the stores, but we're doing the the front end, back end, and design of those as well, and then mm -hmm. integrating like Instagram and your social media into that. So we actually have uh, retainers uh, from companies in order to uh, handle their social media, um, which helps obviously drive traffic towards your e-com. So we, we make sure that everything is connected uh, within that e-com space, also pop-up stores, uh, digital pop-up stores we've been doing, especially during the holidays, which was really fantastic. Uh, we, obviously we do at-home kitting now, so we can create your own custom kit um, kind of like we'll call it the, the lumpy mail, but really extending a box in the kit. So we have different price points and categories. So we've extend, expanded that. You can do a completely custom one or ones that already fit within a certain circumference of a box. So then you know you get to pick a certain items in it. So it's really kind of fun and creative for the clients to go and do that. And it's uh, and then we we pick, pack, we fulfill, we do everything on that on the that box standpoint um, there. Um, I, I think those are the major ones that we've added. Um, obviously, PPE, we still have a whole line of that. So not only the, the masks, fabric, you know, uh, medical, um, to, you know, your hand sanitizing stations. Um, you know, we did that a lot for retailers, a lot of that. So PPEs, I think everybody's kind of got it, but we, we have a complete, um, you know, kind of catalog and um, ways to interact with our clients on a digital standpoint. 
All right, gotcha. Um, another good question came in, and this is um, something that you both have answered to a degree, but maybe if there's some other strategies um, you, you can discuss as well. There's a question about, um, I think it pertains to uh, micro touches rather than like mass marketing. How are you, how are you and, and, and your colleagues kind of having those, um, those, those touches with clients and prospects to kind of to kind of uh, push promos that was the phrasing used, but we'll say kind of build those new relationships to sell to sell promotional products to them, transition them out of PPE. Other things you guys are doing, and Julie, we can start with you. Um, sure. The people that um, are that I'm looking at that I'm transitioning from being PPE PPE only sales to the full realm of promotional products. Um, they're mostly senior centers and old age homes. And so demographically, the people that they're targeting are middle-aged people with aging parents who are possibly ill. So whatever you're doing with whatever group you're transitioning from PPE only to the other items that you want to sell them, you need to learn that they're, what their demographic is so that you can present them with ideas that are positive ideas that they will be well received by them because they understand that you understand what their clientele is and who they're trying to reach. And I mean, truly that's what you need to do with any customer. You also need to assess what level of customer they are. Um, you know, if it's a really small run place and they just needed you for masks and you know that they're not going to be selling, um, that they're going to be an occasional buyer, they're probably not the ones that you're going to work the hardest at. You need to decide which one is going to be a loyal customer, which one is going to be a consistent buyer, which one is going to be an occasional buyer. And when you rank those people, that's who you decide to target first. The consistent buyer is the one that you want to target the most. And those are going to be larger facilities with more outreach in the community if it's um, something like what I've been doing with my PPE transitioners. Got it. How about about you, Chris? There's micro touches. Yeah, well, I I think this is kind of going to go into our next topic on the marketing strategies, but I'll kind of just jump right into that because I think it really correlates to, you know, sales and marketing are the same. You really need one with the other. Um, The difference between the micro and the macro standpoint. So instead of just sending out a a random email blast with, uh, you know, a, a mug, to mm-hmm. everyone, really break it down. So you can break it down into categories, and that's what we've done. So our client base is into categories, and then we have break it down on the micro subcategories. So one category could be beer, wine, and spirits, and then your subcategory could be your beer, and then even another subcategory could be your craft beers, mm-hmm. right? So you can really break it down, and then knowing with what's been successful in those industries, um, and even at whether it's the point of sale. You know, at retail, obviously, a lot of people aren't at bars or restaurants at this point. Uh, but then you can break it down into the categories, knowing the buying behaviors of each of those categories and subcategories. Right? So that's what we've been doing. So that's kind of the micro macro standpoint of it. And you can break that down even further into what we're doing, like a lumpy mail or a direct mail piece now at home. Same, same kind of thing to, to make sure you're understanding that audience. And lastly, we're implementing coming up this quarter, um, just like the you know the software, the tech industry, demand generation. So we're going to put in a demand generation program in order to create opt-ins. And those opt-ins, number one, will be for information, more information about Boost and how we can help you. Right. So that's a click opt-in, and then reward them with something. Uh, maybe that would just be let's just use the mug because we just said that. But then number two, if they opt in, 
now for a meeting, whether it's a physical or Zoom, however it may be at that time, then they're gonna get pack B, right? So this is, we, we work with so many different uh, technology companies that have the demand gen because of the rules and regulations that are in place with opt-ins, they can't just uh, be sending stuff to people. So now we're actually implementing that same strategy in our business um, in order to do that. And again, that's gonna break it down. Uh, those information packets that they get on those options is all gonna be pertaining to what they actually do and what we know their buying behavior and uses is within those categories. So I kind of went off on the tangent, but the answer to the question is that from the macro and the micro, that's how we're doing it. But then that's how we're segmenting all of our marketing and sales strategies are based on those very, very um, unique and really, um, I guess, uh, sales conversations that are very, very uh, targeted. Yeah, they're very yeah. defined to a specific niche. And absolutely, because yeah. we can't, we can't. We're all sitting in front of our computers right now, talking into a screen, right? We we can't engage and have those conversations and see their behaviors and see their real, true reactions. You know, you can see them on a screen, but this is the way we're doing it in order to really have those meaningful conversations that are gonna add value and make sure that we're creating value for our clients. Got it. All right, we're gonna, I love that you segued into marketing there. We're gonna get into that because as you pointed out, marketing there, it's it's gotta be symbiotic to, to they have to work together. Um, we did have a couple questions come in and sometimes, you know, I think we overlook this, but you know, we're a product, we're a products industry. We, you know, we're, we're selling solutions, but those, those solutions are built around products, right? So we had um, uh, so someone asked what you, what you think some of the hottest products will be for, um, for Q1. Uh, uh, Julie, what do you, what are you seeing when in terms of like products that are really looking good for the market right now? Well, um, one of the hot products that I'm finding almost every single one of my customers has been receptive to is the light up selfie ring that pops onto the top of your laptop or the top of your phone. Um, there's good ones and bad ones out there. The good ones will have adjustable lighting settings. And this is also a piece that can be lumpy mail. So it's got that added advantage of you're able to tell a story with the product. Um, that is huge. And any of the smart products that have the chips in them because if you have the opportunity to data mine your clients when you send things out, and I'm not talking about me data mining my clients, I'm talking about my clients data mining their demographic potential. Mm -hmm. If they have that ability to get that information, you know, when I was looking to do um, self-promos that were in the hard part, the really hard part of summertime, when people were really hurting, I sent out self-promotions like they were going out of style because I've always told my clients, you need to market yourself the hardest when times are hard. It's easy to do it when the money is flush, but you have to do it when the times are hard because that's what makes you stand out above everybody else. So I'm encouraging my clients to take advantage of the chip items so that they can get that information back. Now they've got the client's email address, their home address, and they can use that information to send them out the lumpy mail and they can be very specific, like Chris said, you know, with under the umbrella of a main category, you can be doing things that are very specific to each demographic group that you're sending out. If you're a university, you've got alumni, you've got um, incoming freshmen, you've got student base that's already there they're all three gonna need something different, but if you're data mining all of those people, you, you've got the information of where to send the right product. 
Julie, we had a, and we had a quick question, and we'll, we'll give a quick answer to it, um, if you would. Just what can you explain briefly what uh, smart products are? Uh, there's uh, Spectre Image, I believe, has a bunch of different products that are readily available with a microchip that's in them. And this intelligence product will allow you to direct the client to a website if they hold their phone over that particular item, their phone will automatically bring up a screen that directs them to whatever website the client wants it to go to, and it can be a variable website. And so once they bring that screen up, then they start filling in the information. And each screen, depending on how complex your chip is, and there's varying degrees of them, some of them will only let you get to one splash screen. Some of them allow you to take variable trips down each, like if they answer, answer A, it'll take them to this next screen. If they answer to B, it'll take them to a different screen. So there's different levels of intelligence of where you can direct them. And you can direct them to a website that simply asks them what their email address is, um, what their home address is, and how it's the best way to contact them. I mean, they can be very simple products. And that programming comes when you buy the product. And like I said, there, there's all different products now that have that stuff in keychains and pens. Um, mm -hmm. You can um, literally have those products become a landing page to your client so your client can data mine their clients. So bottom line, talk to your suppliers about those, those kinds of solutions if that's something that you're, that, that you're interested in because it does exist out there and it sounds like it's an extremely valuable tool for your end clients, which were for your clients, which makes it valuable for you. So Chris, what are some products that you're seeing here in, um, in, in Q1 that, that, that seem to be you know, really getting the interest of people? Yeah, I would, I would say there's not one particular that really just mm -hmm. kind of flies out there. I think that, like Julie said, the tech category will always be big, but now more than ever, you are working remotely wherever that is. Um, it's very important to have the complements of various tech items. But I think as far as just an overall standpoint on a category, um, the kits that we're doing, I mean, we send out hundreds and hundreds of kits a week, um, whether they're onboarding kits, um, for talent, you know, acquisition, whether they're just employee kits, but also within those kits are really just items that they can use themselves with their families because, mm -hmm. you know, we have to be empathetic to where people are at and, and, the, and the challenges we're in, you know, they have, they have to, they have to be moms and dads. They have to be, um, you know, school teachers all, all with the learning and everything else. It's, it's kind of insane. Uh, what they have to go through, whether it's the, the, the dad or the mom. So really, you know, items that really just help them within that or maybe just a relaxation, a relaxation, anything that really said, hey, we care about you and we're here for you and we understand the challenges that you're going through. Maybe two products real quick that you're maybe consistently including in those packages that, that accomplishes those things. Yeah, well, any type of drinkware, obviously, in order to do that. Um, and then it's been a beverage, so tea or, listen, we just did a mass thing for almost 2,000 employees with wine. So, right, okay. whatever okay. those beverages to make them feel more at home and relax and kind of get We're all above 21 here, Chris. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that just to, to, to make them feel like, wow, I really need this. Instead of having your virtual happy hours, they can actually open the bottle and drink it themselves. 
All right, got it, got it. So um, there is a question about cold calling. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later because um, I want to move on to marketing now, but we will address that question. Um, so let's, uh, Chris, you had gotten into it before, some of the marketing strategies that you're using. Julie, maybe you could tell us a little bit just how, and you've touched on it a bit already, but just how you're marketing this year in, in Q1. Well, um, Chris said it exactly. We're, we're dealing with people who are um, chief cook and bottle washer all at once at the same time. And so because there's so many things that they're doing, I try to target also the other people that are in their home. For example, um, I did Christmas in July and I wrapped up Christmas presents and it was foam soap. And that's something that everybody can use. They walk in the door, they throw their keys in there, they throw their wallet in there, they throw their credit cards in there, they throw their phone in there. And that's something that the entire family can use. So that product then is placed front and center in their office space, which is now their home. So I tried to think along those lines. What can I get them that's going to be in there and is going to be used by everybody? Additionally, um, I, I did blankets, you know, so that their coworkers could have snuggle time. If mom held up the blanket and put that over them on the couch, that meant she had a Zoom call and they had to be quiet. Um, I also did things like um, chocolate bombs. Chocolate bombs, um, Chocolate Inn has a chocolate bomb. If, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's a ball of chocolate that you put into hot milk. And as the chocolate melts in there, all of a sudden the thing opens up and marshmallows and cocoa pour out and it turns into a cup of hot chocolate. So, you know, the mom gets the chocolate bombs in the package and the family all sits around and enjoys that together. So she still is reflecting and that was a gift from me, but it was a gift to the whole family. Got it, got it, very good, very good. And Chris, um, other marketing strategies that, that you're putting into play, or do you want to expand on some of what you were talking about before, whatever whatever you think's best? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I kind of went over the three key points that we're doing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is, you know, the, the email, email, targeted marketing, email blasts, uh, the demand generation, um, program, direct mail, and then social. I guess social we didn't really uh, go into. So I've made a real uh, point to get us more. I mean, our Instagram is really good, but now we're connecting, uh, you know, the Facebook with it. But I think the number one platform we're going to really go after is LinkedIn uh, this year. And because you can't pick up the phone and call the company anymore, no one's there, right? Mm -hmm. So you really have to target the individual. Um, so I think the more exposure we have on on LinkedIn, the better as a company and as me as an individual. Um, I don't like to be the center of attention at all. You know, Boost is 13 years old, and this is the first time that I'm actually getting out in front. Um, I mean, I've been doing a lot with ASI, of course, but um, I even started my own Instagram, you know, account, which I really didn't want to. Um, I think now more than ever, People are more apt to really deal with the human element of, of work because it's not just work anymore. Like if there's no kids running around in a Zoom call, then it's not a Zoom call anymore. So you, those relationships are really, really tight. So it's not like my Instagram is not about me. Hey, look at me. Look what I'm doing. It's more of like, what are, do I think people are going to be like the entrepreneur? Uh, I'm not on Boost. I'm an investor in several other companies. You know, I'm all about nutrition and health, especially during um, this virus situation. And really kind of promoting that way, which again, in our blogs, 
you got to tie them in, correlate it. So they're going to actually link up together. So I think that's a huge issue that we're doing now. So not only as, as a company wide, but as, as an individual in the face of, of boost uh, and, and getting myself out there. So that's a huge, huge initiative we're doing. I like that you mentioned LinkedIn because that seems to be um, a platform a lot are focusing on. And again, this could be, you know, I know this could be a whole other hours long discussion, but just what are some strategies you're looking to put into play in the LinkedIn? Yeah, so really getting the company page involved, uh, where we've been a little lackadaisical, to be quite frank, on that company page. We would throw some stuff as an afterthought. Or I even would, I would get involved, and I do my own LinkedIn posts a lot from my personal. But now that we have a, you know, some people here, uh, they are taking over for me and helping and really organizing, planning all of these posts to what's the topics at hand today. Like mm -hmm. right now, we know we're putting together a complete thing on shipping because it's a disaster uh, from China and everywhere else. The ports are backed up to no end. Uh, there's a truck shortage, uh, you know, you name it. So really educating about what's happening in the world of merch because it's not just look at this mug, isn't it great? No, there's a lot of other effects of our business that I think more there's more attention on LinkedIn because you can't just cold call physically pick up a phone and call a company anymore you really have to engage the people at home or on their uh, on their technology whether it's their phone or their their laptop um, so that's why we're really putting a lot of emphasis and focus on that b2b even though it is kind of b2c ish but because of the situation that we're in um where everybody's at home i think more people are utilizing that and use it a lot utilizing as a communication channel as well. Uh, I mean, I'm getting a lot of I'm communicating with a lot of folks that say they went to another job. You don't have their email, right? And you don't have the phone number anymore unless you have their mobile phone, which a lot of people, you know, at that point didn't give out. So I think it's a very, very key going forward. I think I think LinkedIn's going to be very, very big. All right, and um, we had a question come in. Apparently, I asked about the wrong platform because they want to know about Instagram now, and you, you spoke to it a bit, but you just either you could jump in on this. Just what, what might you be doing just on Instagram? Because it's it's as we always say, it's not a hard sell medium. You're not you're not getting on there and saying, hey, 25% off. You know, like look at me. You're you're, yeah. you're it's a lot more organic and natural. Then. So do you want to just talk briefly about that, maybe? Yeah, I'll I'll just keep going since I'm talking, Julie. Sorry, but. Um, <laughs> What, uh, what we do is we really put in, so we use the suppliers as well, because suppliers are, are, are key to a lot of this. You can go in and drop a logo on something and put it out there, but they have, you know, professional photographers out there, you know, putting together these wonderful catalogs and imagery. So we utilize the imagery and we're trying to, trying to connect it as well with, with different, not just a picture of a product, but we have all the data and the analytics now um, of what post, what time, what more engaging post, how do you do that? And then if it's a national X day, which it seems like every day is some sort of day, days, um, you know, doing that as well um, and putting that in, in, in there. And then really I do a lot myself, but we do a lot of direct messaging, a lot of DMs, not like the kids these days, but DMs because again, the buyers and other people are engaging in technology. Wherever they're at, we're at. So we're about consumer behavior. We follow where the consumers are at. So Instagram, you can DM them very something easy. Hey, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. And then they know who you are and what you're doing. 
You're not asking for something, not doing a hard sell, but just really engaging and, and communicating that way. Uh, we found that to be the best, but we're still playing with it. Listen, we're still playing with it. And now consumer behaviors are changing again and again, and they will every, especially now with when everybody's at home, but now they're going back to school a little bit or they're getting back into the office. Um, so we're really working on that. And then one platform, a new platform, Clubhouse, uh, I just got on a few weeks ago. You got to be invited, and it's absolutely amazing. I think it's going to change the world. Um, kind of a bold statement for a social media thing, but it's really. I mean, I was just having a conversation um, with some professional athletes on um, on Saturday night. I, I know my Saturday nights are crazy, but um, that's what doing it. And I think it's it's going to be a really awesome networking platform. And I've already connected with five people. From that, and I literally just been on offline, so it's been a, a great. Yeah, well, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a podcast coming up on Clubhouse within the next couple of weeks, so everybody who's listening, look out for that too, because I, I happen to agree. I think it's gonna be an impactful medium. Um, Julie, I want to go to you though here to talk about this question that came in before. It was on it was on cold calling, and it's and and some people are like, can you even really do that? Well, yes, you can still. You can still cold call, and the, the question is, what's your best advice to cold call and win a client? What are some strategies that have that have uh, worked for you well LinkedIn is an absolute treasure of a resource if mm -hmm. you have um, a target in mind you know it say you know what not talking about old POs aside um, if you're looking at somebody entirely new you can research on LinkedIn who are the correct people that you need to get in touch with that are going to be in the correct department um, and you can also stalk them on Facebook and find out what their likes and dislikes are. And a really good thing to do is um, if you have to get past a gatekeeper, if you know the name of the person that you're asking for, the way that you phrase your ask can do everything to get you past a gatekeeper. If you call up and you say, hi, I'm Julie Woodall and I'm calling from Promotion Perfection and I'd like to speak with the person who does your marketing. That's not going to get me anywhere. The gatekeeper knows that I don't know who that is. But right. if I go, hey, it's Julie, can you connect me to Marie? Marie mm -hmm. in marketing? And all of a sudden, it sounds like there's a relationship there to that gatekeeper, and they're less likely to try to keep me out. And so they'll put me through to Marie, and I'll say, hi, Marie, um, I'm local to your area, and I always try to establish that presence, mm -hmm. that it's that I'm I'm trustworthy. I'm somebody that you can find easily. Yeah. And um, I, I, I was wondering if there's something that I could help you with. Here's where I have had success in your arena. I'd like to do the same thing for you. And the next big step with any kind of cold call is then to listen because they want to talk about themselves. You know, you know why you called them in the first place. You want to get their business. You need to find out what they want to tell you at that point. You know, are they interested in pricing? Do they just want product presentation? Is price everything to them? Like it's gotta be the cheapest thing or, mm -hmm. you know, find out what their pain is. Um, ask them on the last order that went south for you, what was the problem? And then tell them how you would take steps to make sure that that would never even come up to them. Um, if you get to have this conversation for any length of time, your personality is going to dictate whether they end up falling in love with you and giving you a test run. And you can always say, you know what? It doesn't hurt to kick the tires. Let me quote to you. You know, you can always compare me to somebody else. And then I do like to remind people that when I'm cold calling them, 
um, I, I tell them right off the bat that when I'm sending them quotes, I'm going to send them a fair price quote right off the bat. I said, a lot of people try to lowball a new client to show that they've got this really great pricing and then they slowly over time inch that pricing back up. I don't do that. I always offer you a fair price on a quality product and that's what I will do right from the get-go. And I think that being honest with a new client establishes trustworthiness and that's really what any salesperson needs to move forward. I love I love the way you start your call though and have, have that natural that very natural approach. You know, you've done your research ahead of time, you know who you know who you should be talking to and you could come to it with some knowledge of that person and in a tone that suggests like, hey, this is already an ongoing relationship. Just call and take care of this real quick, you know, and, and, and that gets you past that that gatekeeper. And it's 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 I think a, a, an often not used strategy, but but should be. So some of those key elements there for the person who'd asked that question are definitely do your research in advance and then and then take that nice natural tone. Know, know who you want to be talking to. Um, a couple other questions came in to the one that asked about um, Clubhouse. Yes, the name of the new platform is is Clubhouse. Like you've joined a Clubhouse. Um, we're not going to get too in depth into it here because it's 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 new and it's it's not the main thrust. But Google it, and there will be, as I say, a um, another ASMR podcast on this. So, so Chris, Chris can you jump in? Sorry, real quick. If yeah. if you, anybody has any questions on Clubhouse, feel free to just shoot me a, a note, and I'm happy to take some time to talk to you about it. Yeah, okay. you know how to get a hold of him. The dude's on Instagram, people. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, so we, we're talking about Q1 and focusing our, our, our strategies there because that, that's where we're at. But, you know, Q1 doesn't exist in a bubble. It's, it's connected to Q2 in the whole year and on and on. So kind of with that in mind, um, how might you guys adapt, if at all, your sales and marketing strategies as you go into kind of Q2 and beyond? And, and Julie, we'll stick with you to start this one off. Um, honestly. The things that I'm doing in Q1 are strictly building blocks for Q2, 3, and 4. This mm -hmm. entire year um, has to be about building new ways to reach the demographic that your client desires. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing research on those people. For example, um, one of my customers deals almost entirely with bank people. And so I'm doing research to find out what is happening in the banking industry. So that when I come to her and say, hey, I've got this great idea for you. I know that the banking industry is doing X, Y, Z right now. And I think that this is something that they are worried about in general in the workplace. So if you present along these lines, they understand that you're empathetic to their problems and they're going to love you for it. So it, it's really all about research and um, the little extra something, the lanyap that you provide to your client. If you are doing something a little above and beyond the call of duty, or I'm not just pushing a pen at them, I'm saying you need this pen that erases because these people, sometimes they're going to write something and that's not going to be the important thing. They want to take that away. So whatever it is that I'm presenting to them, I need to have a reason for it being important to their recipient and to give them the tools that they need to sell it internally then. Okay. All right, very good. Chris, how about you? Yeah, uh, the question was what? Can you repeat it again? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no problem. We have, we have been going on a bit, have we? So, uh, yeah. uh, just Q1, right? It's it's yeah. it doesn't it, it's kind of an artificial barrier, right? Like it's it's connected to Q2 and the rest of the year. What? How are you going to adapt, if at all, your sales and marketing strategies through through the year to kind of account yeah. for the marketplace? 
Well, um, I think I, I never, you know, I do plan for the year, but as of last year taught us, you could throw that out the window. Really, right? <laughs> so uh, we're really focused on Q1. And then whatever happens in Q2, because who knows what's going to happen in the world, whether it's, you know, political, whether it's health-wise or the virus, or what, we don't know what's going to happen. So we're focusing on doing that. But like three things that we do, I think all the time, and it can really translate into any quarter or anything, is really number one is like you mentioned, just adapt. Adapt to the new climate, adapt to everything that's coming at you. Uh, because if you can't, I'll use the word pivot, if you can't pivot and change or adapt, um, with anything that's thrown at you, you're going to be one of those companies that don't make it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's number one. And number two, you've got to focus on service. Like mm -hmm. you've got to, got to, got to. We're a service company. We're not a product company in any way, shape, or form. I don't have a widget. I don't sell a widget. I don't. We're a service company. We're here to help you when you have a need, and whatever that may be. That need, that need may be, you know, a, a new hire kit. Or maybe things like PPE to protect your human life. Like we don't know what that is now, and we really play a big role in this. And then lastly, I think people have to really focus on tightening them up, tightening up their internal um, processes, because what we saw, if not anything, in 2020, the past 12 years have been awesome. Mm -hmm. Running a business is i'm not going to say easy it's never easy it was easier than other environments i was ready three four years ago for a downturn and it never happened we're all waiting for that downturn it never happened but when this happened we were financially stable and cash flow positive easier to make it through this where a lot of companies laid off a ton of people for a little ton of people they weren't ready for this and i don't know what they're doing You've got to make sure that. So once you have that core structure in place, I think those three things, that's going to correlate to any quarter because you can adapt to a new category, whether it's PPE or something else at that point. And you, and, and you can hire new people because your internal processes are stable in place. So make sure your policies or procedures are in place in order to do that. We're scaling now at a level we've never scaled before. But if I didn't have the stability in place, we'd be a disaster. But we don't, right? So we really have. I think that I think with that, and that transitions into sales because if you if your POs aren't, aren't late, your invoices aren't late, your payments aren't late, you're, you're not messing things up because the, the internal communication is horrible. You don't have Slack or one of these wonderful platforms in order to communicate properly or any project management tool. You're dead in the water. So um, that that's kind of the things that we're we're doing and we're seeing for. One and two, and beginning. All right, very good. Thank you. Now uh, we had another question come in. Uh, it's one that you you're both well positioned to answer. It's about time management. You you impressed some people with uh, how much you both are able to accomplish, and um, they're just asking if you have some maybe top of mind, um, you know, time management or, or organizational uh, tips. I, I know Julie, you've been undertaking an organ on an on an organization uh, bent lately. So maybe tell tell us a bit about some of what you're doing and how it's working for you. Well, my Marie Kondo theories have actually made a huge difference. Um, paring down, um, keeping a clean desk. You know, sometimes I look at this disaster of an area that I'm working in and I'm like, all right, I have to take two minutes and clean this and organize it. Prioritize lists. Lists are the, the best thing that you can possibly do 
because if you have a list of things that need to be done and at the end of every day you look at what hasn't been done or you look at that list that's been completed and you start your list of tasks for the next day you are um, absolutely positioned to get everything done that you need to and not let that ball drop through the crap if you have something that's on your list that's not checked off and you're procrastinating against it well the next day you put that on the top of that next list and um, one of the things that I also recommend and I know that people are um, working from a home environment and so maybe it's easy to sit there in your pajamas with that cup of coffee sweatshirt sales are up 375 percent in 2020 um, I'm sure that the salespeople that are out there that sell apparel know you can't get black Gildan t-shirts. The mask companies have all taken over production of what would have been cut and sew shops in like the Honduras, which had hurricanes. I mean, there's so many things that has happened that were bad for that industry. Um, so wearing a sweatshirt isn't maybe your best move. Get up every morning, take a shower, dress professionally, sit down at a clean desk with your list in front of you, a nice cup of coffee or iced tea or whatever your beverage of choice is, just don't make it whiskey, that's not gonna be beneficial. Um, and buckle down and start your day on time. Take a break when you normally would have taken a break at the office, go right back to work. Don't start watching soap operas in the middle of the day or whatever it is that you would Netflix or anything like that. Leave your TV off until after work hours. I mean, those are solid time management skills that just are basic. And if you mm -hmm. follow them, you'll get your stuff done. Gotcha. Chris, how about you? And maybe um, there's a question about some of the project management tools that you use as well. So maybe you could incorporate that into your answer as well. Sure. Um, yeah, so on a time management standpoint, I don't know. I, I, I fit everything in. And if I don't, I'm going to go to bed. It's like, you know, I start my day at 4.30 a.m. every day. You know, I get up, I do my, you know, I do my meditation, I do my stretching. I'm at the gym by six o'clock because it only opens at six now. So I gotta wait. Um, and then I get right into it. I get into my day and, you know, you make sure you have those, like Julie was saying, those, those short wins. You make sure you make a check mark on, on some of those things and put the, the ones that are literally, you know, pain in the ass, put them first. Yeah. Get okay. done and get moving. Um, and keep going because now I, I think time management is what you make of it. It's no more nine to five anymore. You're not in the office. Um, you know, you might have to help your, your child at school, you know, with remote learning. So really just put in the time that you need to get stuff done. And that could be at nine o'clock at night when everybody's in bed. Right. So there, there is no, it's, it's called self-discipline. If you don't have it, you're in the industry. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, with that, like I don't, I don't, I barely watch TV. I listen to podcasts. You know, I educate myself. I read books. I do what I need to do to make sure that I'm ahead of the game um, all the time and try to educate myself because I don't know everything. That's for, that's for sure. But I make sure that I, I'm always educating myself. I'm not getting fired up on Facebook on uh, you know what the election was or not was or, or you know what the virus is doing or not doing. I understand the the broad strokes of what's happening in the world, but really. Just get things done and put your head down. And on a project management standpoint, there's so many different tools. Whether you know it's 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 Slack, um, whether it's like a Mondays, you know, Mondays is another platform. Uh, Basecamp, 
there's so many various platforms out there that you can integrate all your project management with your account teams, uh, designers and everybody else and you really invite the people that need to be within that project. Um, it's really, really helps because within that there's tasks, task management things. So then you know, you know, hey, Chris, you got to do this. Hey, Julie, you got to do that. And when your task is done, when whatever department you're in, because you're not in the same, you know, you're remote, you know, done, done, done. That way on the total, whoever's a project manager on that or account manager on that in the team lead can see that everybody's projects have been done, what time they were done, or if somebody was slacking, hey, why isn't this done? This needs to be done. There was a due date, a due time, et cetera. So there's plenty of different project management platforms out there. Okay, and I heard you say Slack. I think Monday.com it is right, and Basecamp. Yeah, Monday, Asana, Basecamp. I mm -hmm. mean, they, the list goes on and on. There's there's slight variances in all of them. Um, so just check them out. Whatever works best for your your organization. Gotcha. Um, we're nearing the end, and I'm gonna well, I'm gonna skip to one question here. But we had a, one other question come in a little earlier, and I just want to address it. Um, it was a question about um, shipping wine and alcohol. Um, just are you relying on suppliers to do that, or do you and or do your partners have a liquor license to ship? That that was the question that yeah. came in. No, we do it ourselves, and we utilize a company that has the the license. So what they do is they send us the labels, um, kind of FedEx labels for that mm -hmm. restriction. So you got to make sure if you're doing wine, it has to be to residences, um, residential homes. You can't ship hard alcohol to homes, but you can ship them to companies. So there's so many regulations in there. So make sure you just get educated before you start pitching your client that particular thing. But there are companies out there that you don't have to go and invest in, in certain licenses in that, but they, they have them. So they literally send them your contact list and they will create all the labels for you and email them to you. All right, awesome. Um, for everybody, thank you for sticking with us. If you have any final questions, now is the time to uh, put them in and we'll, we'll try to get them addressed before we jump off. But just, um, uh, Julie, I'll start with you. Just what is uh, some final thoughts, some big takeaways from our discussion today or about Q1 that, um, that, that people should kind of bring home with them? Well, I think that anytime that you're reaching out to somebody new, and um, that refers to cold calling or lukewarm calling where it's a client who's already in existence, but you haven't had previous contact with them. Um, remember to do it optimistically. If you're talking like this and people can tell you sound down, but if you have a smile on your face and you're talking to somebody, they can hear that in your voice. So remember moving forward into Q1, if you're going to expand on your client base, do it with a very positive attitude. Do your homework, find out about them, find out what they do and who their client is so that you can be an intelligent resource for them right off the bat. And don't forget about your old clients that you just don't hear from very often. Um, I came across a book, a picture of a book on Facebook. It reminded me of a client. I sent her a message and she was like, oh, great. I'm so glad you called me. I meant to order those chargers again. I've got a thousand charger order for you. I'm gonna shoot you an email right now. So just be positive and take every opportunity and don't think that just because it's a small opportunity, it isn't going to lead to something greater. All right, very, very well said. Chris, how about you? Kind of final thoughts, takeaways? Yeah, I, I think Julie kind of hit it on the head. It's mindset. I mean, we can sit here and give you every strategy, every by the book, one, you know, sales 101 and doing it, but if you don't have the proper mindset to do this, then you're in the wrong headspace. If, if whatever you want to say about 2020, just get rid of it. It's gone. Let, let you know. 
today's a new day. It's 2021. I don't you want to put a number on it. Right. It's 2021. How about that? Let's go. Move. You know, page. And don't let a don't let something happens today affect you tomorrow. It's a new day. It's a new time. Refocus. If you want to get mad, great. 90 seconds. Get it out. And then move on. Right? Move on. Because I think we could sit here and give you all the strategies and all the you know marketing strategies and sales strategies and everything else. But if you're just sitting in the same, you know, with your sweatshirt on mm -hmm. uh, it, and sitting there and just kind of going about it and, well, making up excuses, it's the year, it's COVID, it's anything else, mm -hmm. then you're creating your own destiny. Mm -hmm. right, lack of yeah, and not a good one. Very well, yeah, very, very well said. So we had two come in. Uh, we, we're a little over, but let's see if we can address them for everybody. Just um, uh, someone was asking, should they pay for the like the LinkedIn premium package, or is the is the free standard package good? What what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's worth it to pay for the premium package. I think that um, not only does it show to the people who are looking for you on LinkedIn that you're committed it just everything that you every time that you can present a better face or put a better foot forward you should take that opportunity always be improving yourself always be improving your image and when people come to you and they see what you're offering they'll be impressed with you and they'll take that chance very good chris your thoughts yeah i i agree i agree i think maybe if you're really not um utilizing it right now just utilize it get acclimated with it, get comfortable with it, then do the free trial, then make the commitment. But in the end, I, I mean, listen, the service works. So um, if you want to, again, make that commitment, do I think it's whatever, 60 bucks a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. you know, one order doesn't pay for it for the year. Yeah. All right. Got it. And um, last one here. We're going to cut it after this one. Uh, just kind of a technical question. What is a what is a pop up shop? And I I think they're referring to an online pop up shop. Is is that something you want to just explain briefly? Yeah. Sure. Think you can think about it. Pre COVID, um, you know, you go to Times Square and all the empty retail space during the holidays became uh, people's stores for a, a certain duration of time. So we take the same thing. You can have an e commerce platform, but then if you do a pop up shop, let's say we will do it for the holiday season. And it's just for the internal employees. They can go in and choose this, you know, uh, pre-designated items within that e-commerce platform. I'm calling it a pop-up store, and then they can pick and choose. And when and you can order right through the platform online. Um, so it's a a specific duration of time that you put up uh, any type of goods for any purpose, depending on what it is, whether it's event merch, whether it's holiday merch, whether it's you know anything like that. And, and then when it closes, it closes. And then you you collect all the data, all the orders, and then you place your orders with the suppliers. All right, very good. Um, we're going to call it there. Julie, Chris, thank you both so much for giving well over an hour of your time to share some of your strategies with us. I learned a lot. I hope it was very helpful. We had pretty high engagement the whole time from all our listeners. Thank you, everybody um, who tuned in. I hope it was uh, it was fruitful for you. And um, and Julie, Chris, best of luck in 2021. Thank you again. You're welcome, and thank you. Thank you.